Yes, people. <laughs> it is Friday, people. Our last chin check of the week. And as we do every Friday, we take a look at what's happening in the news around MMA. So, people, let's get to it. Shake that big boat, eh? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this because you know I, I think there's stuff that's come up that people aren't talking about and it is frustrating as a motherfucker, I have to say, right? And I'm talking about Jake Paul Tyrone Woodley because I I just can't talk on these things. They're just ridiculous. These fights are ludicrous. They, it's just a mess. It's a mess. So, I ain't really looking to talk about the fights. But, right, so, um, and this is funny, right? So, Jimmy Manoa put up a video, right? When, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny. Manoa does bitch a lot about certain things, when it comes to UFC, MMA. But Manama was never at the level to be able to expect certain things. Right? It, it, I remember he was, when he was calling for title shots. When he just, you know, coming off losses. Right? It, it never really made any sense. And that's not to say, listen, Manama, he was a decent fighter. He just wasn't, like, there's levels, there's levels, right? So, Manoa, he posted this video of Jake Paul talking about pay, talking about fighter pay, right? And so, here is what Paul said. There's a movement moving forward that is going to show that fighters should be getting paid more. It's unfair the UFC fighters don't have fair pay. Out of all the sports, the percentage that the owners get versus the athlete, they're the lowest. Francis Ngannou v. John Jones. That fight should happen. Dana White should pay them $10 million. He's taking their money. They're the ones making the content. They're the ones getting in the ring, risking their lives. Which is, uh, yeah, okay. He also said, Chris Weidman goes in, snaps his leg in half. What's that look like? He might never be able to fight again and provide food for his family. These fighters are risking their lives. You can quite literally die in the ring and they need to be compensated more. I'm a big proponent of that movement and being in control. It's just the, like music labels. Same thing. These artists are getting owned and they get locked up into these shitty contracts. And they don't know what to do. So fuck that shit. Fuck Dana White. And I'm, I'm looking at these statements and I'm just like, Paul's an idiot. Right? He's an idiot. Because you you look at that statement, right? And firstly, Dana was gonna pay John Jones 10 milli, right? That that was the that wasn't the whole point of that fight not happening. Jones wanted more than 10. That was the thing. So to be like, oh, he should pay them 10 mil, right? 10 million was fine. Jones wanted more. <laughs> that was the issue. Right? I, I think like, Jones never will cut me out with what he actually asked for, which is always interesting, right? Because Dana said, I think Dana said Jones was talking between 20 and 30. I think that's what 
Dana said, and John, John was like, no, no, I didn't say that. But he never actually said the amount he was asking for, which you kind of think, if you're not going to then say the amount, then I'm more inclined to believe the numbers that White put out there, right? Because, listen, if you weren't asking for that money, then what were you asking for? It's simple, man. You know what I mean? It's not a trick here. So there's that. There is that point that comes up. Another point. He doesn't mention PFL. Ryzen 1. Bellator. All contracts are pretty much the same. Right? Another thing. He does not bring up. Right? Firstly, UFC... I think for most of the, most of the time that I you know I recall they pay for those operations. You know they they like they will pay for um, Weidman to get his leg fixed. You know they flew I, I think they flew Volkanovski to get an operation. Cody Garbrandt to get an operation. There was a point when um oh shit what's Rampage's name? Quentin Quentin Jackson right. Quentin Jackson? Quentin Jackson. Yeah, that's a motherfucking name, right? He was in dispute with Bellator. And I think that's when Bjorn Renneby was there. Because they weren't they didn't pay for an operation that he was meant to be getting. And he wasn't at the UFC. But the UFC paid for that operation. Right? I think that's when he came back to the UFC, fought a fight. And then there was a whole dispute, and then he had to go back to Bellator. I think that was, is around about that time. But so there's that, right? You see, pay for a lot of those operations. Now, I'm sure, listen, there's going to be, you know, the smaller ones that don't get paid for. But, yeah, when there's a big injury, you see, from what I've gauged, pay for those operations, then you have to consider things like the PI, which is free. And not just, because remember, Paul is only referencing the higher echelon fighters. But the PI is for everyone. Everyone. So whether you have, you know, just signed a contract off the contender series, or you're someone like Yuri Papacha coming from Ryzen, you get to use the PI. And not just you, but your trainers, your team, they can come and help you prepare in the PI. Get your meals all for free. Your your treatment all for free, right, you can tape your training sessions, all of that, that's free, so I think a lot of times when you talk about contract and what people are getting, you have to factor in all the stuff that isn't technically in the contract, right, because you know, you add the cost of all of that PI stuff in, that's fucking huge, you know what I mean, because you, a lot of people move to Vegas so they can just use it all the time, right, it's it's not just, oh yeah, some people might use it once, twice a year, there's people that are using it every day or every weekend, you know what I mean, and that's, you know, that's not in the contract, right, so I think those things have to be considered, but here's the big thing, here is the big thing that is not talked about, right, and it's something that pisses me off, because you want to talk about um, financial reward, right, boxing is huge for the fact that the headline fighters will make a lot of money, and then the undercard, which is, most of the time, everyone up to the co-main, right, so from the co-main down, that's the undercard, and their money is often shit, right, it is 
not great. I mean, let's look at the recent um, discussion around Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, right? So when that fight got announced, they, um, which we're going to talk about shortly, um, but when that fight got announced, right, so they were going to be sharing a hundred and ten million pounds, hundred and fifty-five million dollars, right, so that put fifty-three million pounds, and I think that's what, seventy-five million dollars in each of their pockets, right, in each of their pockets, that's what they would be walking away with, which left four million, four million pounds, right, I think it was five million dollars, that's what was left, and with that money, that, that was to cover expenses, and the undercard, right, so, if you think of how many fighters would be on the undercard, they're not making much money, (laughs) you know what I mean, especially in comparison to Fury and Joshua, and that's just that card, if you look at just any fucking boxing card, the undercard fighters are paid horribly, horribly, now, Paul wants to talk about how much money he's going to make off these fights and all of this, how much money he made in the Ben Askren fight and all of that, how much did that undercard make, right, that's the question, before you start running your gums and claiming that, you know, the UFC fighters are underpaid, what are you paying your peoples, right, I think that, that needs to be brought up, because you can't go throwing stones when you're sitting in a motherfucking glass house, you feel me, you know what I mean, and also, talk about other people as well, right, because you have to, again, consider the Bellator fighters, the PFL, the Ryzen, the One, right, and remember as well, when, you know, Ngano Jones would have been pay-per-view, so then they get a cut of that, so it's not just... There's so many things that go into all of this. So, these arguments that Jake Paul wants to try and bring up, they're a little ludicrous. And it always is baffling that these outlets like MMA Fighting don't actually talk about this stuff. It's not like, oh, I've discovered an unknown truth. No, this is shit that everyone knows. Everyone knows it. Manoa knows it. Because Manoa had been looking into boxing as well. So I I, I just think it's it's lazy and it's weird when people want to act that everyone in boxing is making so much more money. When they're not. They're not. Go talk to the undercards. You know Go to. Why do you think there's the journeyman fighter who have had so many? Because they're low on a motherfucking card and they're not making much money. That's why they're having so many fucking fights. Because, you know, it's the only way they can try and bring some fucking food to the table. Right? Think on that, motherfuckers. Think on that. Okay, so we've got a bit of bare-knuckle action, people. So, it was kind of, you know, put together at the end of Knuckle Mania in February. I know, Knuckle Mania is a ridiculous name, but anyway. So, when um, Brit Hart beat Paige Van Sant, there was a WWE style confrontation with Jenny Savage. And now, 
that beef gets settled. And I say beef because after the fact, Hart said some, she said some stuff. <laughs> I mean, she uh, equated Savage to a prostitute. You know what I mean? I, at the time, she came out and was like, oh, I didn't even know who it was. I thought it was a, a crazed nobody. Looked like a prostitute. Which is, I mean, it's kind of harsh shit. Kind of harsh shit, right? And especially when it's just like, yep, yeah, she was wearing a tube top. And it's just like, but you all fight, basically, in tube tops. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, come on, man. What do, what, do, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? But, um, yes, uh, Brit, Brittany Hart will be fighting Jenny Savage at... Bare Knuckle FC 19, which takes place on the 23rd of July. So, um, yeah, Savage is currently 1-0 in her um, Bare Knuckle career, and Hart is 2-2. So the experience definitely goes with, uh, experience definitely goes with Hart, right? But Savage, you know, she had a, a, you know, a very good fight herself in the promotion. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's going to be a walkover, but it is, oh, it's interesting how they decided to put those two together, right? But, um, fuck it, it's bare knuckle, you know, and it's all a little bit crazy. That's not all, though, people. That's not all, because, yeah, BF, um, BKFC, they went on a bit of a signing spree recently, right? And one of those recent signees has just booked herself a fight. I say book herself because I am talking about Pearl Gonzalez, the Chi Town princess herself. Right? So um this will actually be happening a month before at a BKFC 18 and um that is set for the 26th of June. So Gonzalez will be going up against Carissa Sigala. Yep, yep. So Sigala, she is um coming off a I I think people were calling it as a fight of the night, right? Uh with Taylor Starling. You know, um so Sigala lost via decision, but yeah, it was, it was getting declared as one of the best bare knuckle fights there has ever been, which is definitely high praise, right, but uh, yeah, those two will now be going up against each other, I, I think the big thing with this is though, Sigala fought, um, you know, in February, she fought in February, and Gonzalez, the last time she fought, it was February, but 2020. You know, she fought um, Miranda Maverick at Invicta 39. So, yeah, we haven't seen um, Gonzalez compete for a little while. Now, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just over a year, right? Which a lot of people in that same instance... And I think Gonzalez, you know, she had been training for fights, right? She was looking to get down at Invicta, I think it was 43, right, in December last year, but she got COVID, you know, so that fight couldn't happen. So I think Gonzalez, she's definitely been in, you know, in the dojo training, but, yeah, Sigala, she's... um. You know, she's already fought in bare knuckle, right? She fought this year. So it just gives herself a bit more familiarity with being in that ring, you know? And um, it's interesting. 
right? I'm just interested to see how uh, Pearl will do on this kind of stage. You know, because look, we know how she is in MMA, but um, yeah, how will she be? You know, when it comes to uh, throwing down in the squared circle. Hmm. I mean, it's a big card for those two to be on because you know there's a uh, a few title fights on, right? You've got um, Joey Beltran putting his belt on the line against Sam Shoemaker. Hector Lombard goes up against Joe Riggs. You know, for the cruiserweight belt. Um. Luis Palomino has his flyweight title on the line against Tyler Goodjohn. And Tiago Alvarez is um, fighting Uli Diaz for the middleweight title. So, uh, it's a big card. It's a big card. So, uh, we'll see what happens on the 26th of June, people, shall we? So back in April, in the build-up to UFC 261, you know, in Usman v. Masterval 2, an interesting nugget came out, right? And that nugget was Gamebred FC. Yes, Gamebred FC. And you're like, yo, what the fuck is Gamebred FC? Well... It is um, bare knuckle MMA. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Now I remember at the time it was called a league, so I don't know if it's gonna have some PFL like elements because we haven't had a whole heap of information to be honest since the initial announcement. But that has changed because we now have a commentary team, right? So, um, the commentary for the first event is going to be Paige Van Sant and Dan Lambert, which, when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because Dan Lambert is the, you know, the head of American Top Team, the founder of American Top Team, you know what I mean? The bankroller of American Top Team, right? And Massaville, he's a member of American Top Team. He's very close with Dan Lambert, right? And Van Sant is also American Top Team. She moved down there. Right, so, um, yeah, you, you know, it kind of makes sense to have those two involved. Especially because Van Sant, she's done some TV work. She's a recognised face from her time in Dancing with the Stars and all of that. And she fights um, for uh, Bare Knuckle FC. So, you know, I think it, it kind of, yeah, you can understand why they're both involved. But going forward, it seems that Lambert, he won't be a, uh, you know, an ongoing fixture in the booth. But the person that will be is none other than um, Frank Mir, right? Which, hey, that's not bad. Because we know Mir can commentate. He used to do the WEC. And he's done a few um, UFC um, in the past. I think he did... Oh, man, I, I want to say Titan FC. One of those other broadcasts, one of the smaller um, regional shows. He He's commentated for them. It might have been maybe Combate. I, I know he's comp- commentated for one of those other organizations too so Mir has got plenty of experience and chops to bring to the table so um this is very interesting right it all 
takes place real soon too. Right, the 18th of June. 18th of June, people. Right, that's the day of the first event, which will be happening in Biloxi. Um, so, yeah. Interesting stuff, right? Having an announced team is all well and good, but what about the fights, right? What about the fights? That's what people are wondering. Um, now, <laughs> we do know two fights. Well, we know one fight confirmed and another fighter that will be taking part, right? And, uh, yeah. The main event is going to be Jason Knight, Mississippi Mean, <laughs> against the felony Charles Bennett. Alright, so, um, you know, Bennett, he's a no-name when it comes to MMA. He's also, um, you know, fought a few times for um, BKFC. And Knight has also fought for BKFC, right? Had that crazy fight with Artem Lobev, you know? But the interesting thing was because um, last time we saw Knight was at Icon... I think it was Icon 6? I think it was Icon 6, maybe Icon 5. But just recently in March. And at that time, he was looking to get back in the UFC, Right, so he kind of transitioned back to MMA, and uh, yeah, he he was hoping, you know, he can get some performances in there, which will get him another contract, right? But this, I guess, this is MMA, right? But it's just bare knuckle MMA. So hey, maybe if Knight gets a good win, that could be it, right? Who knows? Who? Knows, but yeah, they are gonna be the inaugural game bread, um, FC main event right now. The other fighter who is gonna be on the card is um, oh god, my name just went blank. Fuck, native uh, um, Indian dude. Um, Brock Weaver, Brock Weaver, yes, he's fighting in the co-main event, but his original opponent has had to withdraw, so they're looking for someone else for him to fight, but, um, yeah, again, Weaver, he's looking to try and get back in, and he recently also fought on Icon, so, yeah, it's an interesting one, this whole... Gamebred FC. Also, have you seen the logo? Right now, it's it's a. Uh, oh gosh, what's the typology? Typology. Um, I think that's it. Right when it's just words rather than an image. Am I here? Typology. It's not iconology. I forget, but it's just words, right? So it's just gamebred. In a big silver white letters. And then a right banner underneath. With fighting championship in it. But within the M and an E. Right. They have got the the uh, silhouette of Masada. Delivering the knee to Askarin. So you, you don't see Askarin. But you just see Masada's silhouette. Doing that knee, right? A bit like how Den Henderson uses the silhouette of him giving the H bomb to Bisbing. So, yeah, Masada has, you know, decided to do a similar thing, which, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's amusing. It's a little cold, right? But it's amusing. I'm sure if you asked Masada why, he'd say it's super necessary. Yeah, but um, yeah, this this card is slowly coming together. I want to know how many fights, you know, are, are gonna make up the rest of the card, and who those fighters are gonna be. 
But, um, yeah, we have a main event, people. We have a main event. So, over in the PFL, well, man, there is some unhappy people. Well, one unhappy person, let's just say. And, uh, yeah, we're talking about Renan Ferreira, who um, is very pissed off. Right, so, uh, you know, he originally fought Fabricio Verdum. You know, they they fought in the third week, I believe it was. Um, and it was a very controversial match, right? So, Favera wins by TKO. But then, when you watch the fight, right? You see Favera tap to Vadum, who had him in a triangle. He, and you actually see Favera tap twice, Right, so the Doom's team complained, put in a complaint. The fight was turned over to a no contest. Right, made it a no contest fight. So they both walked away with one point each, which I think is probably a fair, a fair thing, because you know although Ferreira attacked. The ref didn't see it. So I think to say the the doom I think you could say the doom deserved the win, but right, you, you just the ref didn't see it, so it's hard to be like, okay, we're just you know doing that. But you can't then give Ferreira the win, right? So you have to kind of be like, alright, it was a draw. Now Ferreira is saying that he was initially told that he would be given a rematch with Fadoom, right? He was said he was given a rematch that the PFL, you know, all over their social media, people were calling for the rematch, right? Which, I mean, I, that, I'd be interested to see those numbers, but supposedly that's what he's saying was happening, and he that's what he thought was going to go down, right, in week six, but instead, they've both got different opponents. Both got different opponents. Where Ferreira is going to be fighting Ali Izavev, right? The current heavyweight champion. And Avadoom is scheduled to fight Brandon Sales, right? Now, yeah, Ferreira thinks he's got the harder of the opponents, which I think is an interesting thing to uh, come out and say, right? Because, I mean, if you think you are a tough motherfucker, it doesn't matter who you're going to get because you're going to beat them, right? And even having the rematch right away, I don't think it made sense, right? Because the format in which this happens, these two could fight in the... Uh, the playoffs, right? So, playoffs postseason, I forget what they call it, but, you know, after the regular season, they could fight there in the lead-up to see who gets the millie, which I think is far more interesting, right? That's when you want that than those two to fight again at that stage, not in the regular season, you know what I mean? So, um... Yeah, it's interesting Fiera's um, reaction to it all, right? But uh, he did have, he did have shit to say. <laughs> he did have shit to say. So he's like, um, all this is very shady, right? Ray Sefo told um, my management team that the Vadoom rematch was the fight that makes sense to do next. PFL had social media posts asking people if they wanted to see it, and they said yes. Now we find out on social media I'm facing the last champion while Vadoom faces Sale. I find it interesting how all this is happening. First, we had them interviewing Vadoom after our fight, but they didn't interview me. 
They only showed the replay in slow motion that made it seem I tapped. After that, the commission changed the result of our fight over the weekend in a decision so fast a lot of people have questioned their procedure. <laughs> then he's like, what's their criteria? We have no idea how the matchmaking works here, but some things look kind of fishy. Isaev is a very good fighter, and I knew we would cross paths eventually. I'll be ready for him, and I'm going to go in there to finish him so I move on in the tournament. They won't be able to protect protect Vadum forever. I would be embarrassed to be in his place after all the shit he said after our fight. I'd be calling PFL to make the rematch happen. But he knows he'd get finished again. He doesn't want anything to do with me. Right, and I'm just a bit like, ah, oh, Ferreira, stop. <laughs> you mean, just stop, man. Like, it, it makes no sense to come out with all of this because everyone saw the tape. You, it, it, it's not like, oh, was that... No, he, he tapped twice. There, the first one, you think, mm, maybe we might... We could possibly discount that, right? But then he does it again. And... It's not his first rodeo, right? It's not his first rodeo. Everyone knows you do a certain movement, they're going to call it a tap, right? So what the fuck? If it wasn't a tap, what was Ferreira doing? Right? So I think he he needs to keep this quiet. He should stop talking because it's just making him look bad. Right, I think all of this just makes Ferreira look bad. So, um, yeah, but it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Interestingly enough, though, um, Vadum has actually pulled out of his fight. Right, he's not gonna be fighting anymore. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, um. Ferreira, he, he's just lucky that, you know, he wasn't matched up with a Doom because he wouldn't have a fight right now. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Something, it's always weird when fighters do a certain thing but then want to deny that it ever really happened. Because uh, it just never looks good. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it is what it is, people. It is what it is. Talking about the heavyweight division in the PFL, they have actually just added a couple of new uh, competitors to the division. Right? So, um, Kidson Abrio, he's just signed a contract. And so has Odie Delaney. Right now, Abreu, right, he, he's got a pedigree, right, he was a, um, a brave FC champion, he uh, also, you know, competed in the um, UFC, he's currently 15 and 4 with one no contest, so he, he brings stuff to the table, right, but, uh, you know, I think Delaney, he's the more, oh, what is the word, unknown commodity, right, he's a, a former NCAA Division 1 All-American, so he has that, but when it comes to uh, fighting, he hasn't had a whole heap of fights, right, he's 31, and he's just transitioned from wrestling to MMA in 2019. So he had a couple of um, amateur fights, which he won, right? And he then went pro towards the end of 2019. And he got a couple of wins um, there. So, you know, all in all, four fights, right? But only two technically was 
to a pro. So, uh, yeah, ain't not a whole heap of uh, experience. So it's going to be interesting who they pair him up with, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see. But it is very confusing. This whole PFL thing is very confusing because, like, new people are getting signed. Old people, current people, people that have already fought are pulling out, right? So it's just like, wait, how does any of this make sense? Because you need a certain number of points. But if you're having less fights, how do you progress? I don't know. It's confusing. But, uh, yeah, we we will see what the fuck happens. <laughs> because, um, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be coming back pretty soon. Pretty soon for the next event. So, yeah, we will see. We will see how it all goes down, people. So, we've been talking about the next PFL and that will be taking place on the 25th of June, so they have released the, uh, the, the lineup for that evening, and it is headlined by Carl, Kayla Harrison, and, uh, Cindy Dua, Cindy Dua, Cindy Dandot, Dandua, Dandua, yes, she, man, I don't even know why I fucking doubted myself, huh, but yes, that, is going to be the the headlining fight, right, which, uh, you know, I think Dudua, she, uh, she's got a lot of experience, she did lose her first fight to Caitlin Young via decision um, up the previous month, but, um, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what she can do against Harrison, but I would probably assume Harrison is going into this one as the big favourite. So, also, um, on the card, and serving as the co-main event, is Renan Ferreira against Ali Izarev. Um, we've, they've got Dennis Gutsov against Mohamed Usman. Now, for Bricio Verdum was meant to be fighting Brandon Sales, but Verdum is out, right, now, the reason for him being out, I don't know if it's an injury, or if it is just the fact that he got TKO'd in his last fight, which, I mean, it does make sense, because there is usually a good few months that you have to wait before you can fight again, right, so this would be a kind of a quick turnaround for that kind of situation, so, um, yeah, it, it, it's not very clear on why Vadoom is out, but Vadoom is out, and who knows what the fuck that means going forward, you know what I mean? Can he still be part of this one million pound tournament? I don't know. Right? No opponent yet has been found for sales. So we'll see what happens there. Now, on the prelims, we've got Bruno Capazola against Mohamed Derez. Uh, Larissa Pacheco against Alina Kosunik. Um, Jenna Fabian against Jelija Pajik and Annette Delgia against Hatif Molia. So, um, oh, and we've got Taylor Guadalola against Laura Sanchez and Catelyn Young against Marina Maurice. So, yes, uh, that is week six. Of the PFL people. Week 6. Yeah. I don't know. It's all very interesting. It's all very interesting. We'll see see what happens. It's a weird because we can't get it in the UK. Unfortunately. Ugh. They should just sign to Fight Pass. Make it a lot easier for everyone. 
it's always very odd, right, when someone leaves an organisation, for some reason, everyone wants to ask them, how was it, what was going on, and you're just like, why, (laughs) right, because the response is never gonna be truthful, right, it's always gonna be soured in a certain direction, it's always gonna be soured, especially when someone gets let go, right, which is the case with Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy got let go, and, um, you know, he is now doing interviews, and it's all a little bit weird, it's all a little bit weird, right, because he's saying that, you know, right now, everyone is clones, Right, there's no real personalities like there was back in the day when he was fighting. Right, and you just go, but that's not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are probably more stars now than there were. You know, so Hardy, you know, he wants to talk about back in the day when you know Ortiz was there, BJ Penn, Jens Pulver. You know, he had just broken in, and and it was new, it was all new, you know, Zufra had just taken over, right, but there were only a few stars, because there was only so much, um, you know, viewership, right, you could only see events so many times a year. Right, where now we're seeing it all the time, you know, like they weren't on just you know the big channels, you had to hunt to watch UFC. It's hard to find any sort of MMA on TV, right? So, obviously, people didn't know people, and it's like he, he, he's talking about the, the fact that. You know, oftentimes you have an older fighter fight an a newer contender, right? But that's what it is. It's a passing of the torch, right? It's a passing of a torch, and it's also a chance for the veteran to show, actually, I've still got it, right? Remember when Frank Mir fought Todd Duffy, right? Todd Duffy was the huge buff, heavyweight, coming in hard, people thought, oh, Frank might be done, but Frank won the fight, right, but that, and that's what that is, it's an opportunity for either the new guy to be like, yes, I've got all the skills, I'm making that push, or the vet to be like, not yet, not yet, young buck, I'm still here, right, we just saw it recently when Jose Aldo fought Cheetah Vera, right, Aldo won the fight, that's the whole point of it, and you talk to those veterans, right, because I think Hardy wants to see this, you know, this supposed veteran v veteran, this Legends League, that certain people like, uh, you know, oh, Vitor Belfort has called for, right, but it's like, you speak to a lot of these older fighters, they don't want easy fights, most of them still feel they can compete, they don't want to fight just someone who's old and washed up, no, they want to still be in contention for a belt, Hearing, so yeah, I I just find it a bit weird. I find it a bit weird, um, how Hardy is kind of going. You know that yeah, there's no real stars anymore, and that the, the you know it's all being watered down. And also he like when he talks about sponsorship and how sponsorship has gone and oh the good old days when you could get, but everyone suddenly forgets, right, because so many times, I would see interviews with fighters, and they'd be talking and saying, yeah, this firm still owes me money, 
right? They, uh, I've been con- trying to get my money from this firm and they won't answer my calls. Or, oh, well, they only gave me a fifth of what they owed me, right? And it was a struggle for a lot of people to get the money owed. So, you know, people would try and reflect and be like, oh, those were the good. But were they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Were they, though? Because I don't know if they were. You know, the way you talk about it, I question that fact, man. I question that fact. So, yeah, I I don't know. It just always comes across as kind of sour grapes and weirdness. Well, look, Hardy, he's now got the opportunity to go and because he wants one more fight, right? And he can do that. You know, he was talking that he's got potential offers from a few companies. So... If I was him, I would just go do that fight, live my life, do my thing. He's still working for BT Sports. He's got some other ventures. Yeah, I think they're training some fighters, him and his buddy. Um, so yeah, concentrate on that rather than give these odd interviews that make you come off as kind of bitter and mean, you know. But fuck it. He's a grown man, man. Let the outlaw do him. So in Victor, they made their debut on Access TV recently. And during that broadcast, they announced that, yeah, they're they're coming back hard. They're coming back hard. That in Victor 45... We'd be round the corner. But before we got to that, that we would have another Phoenix series. You know what I mean? Which, hey, if you haven't seen any of the Phoenix events, they are fun as hell. They are great, right? Brianna Van Bunen, she won. Oh, I think it was the first one, right? She won the first one. Um, Miranda Maverick won one. And Tanisha Tennant won the third one, which kind of got her the shot on Dana White's Contender Series. You know, so they're great little tournaments, you know. And um, because they're fighting three times potentially, you get around the fact by having the first two fights being one round and then the final fight gets to be to free, right? Because, you know, you you can't fight, I think, more than five rounds in a night anymore. <laughs> it's not like the olden days. So, yeah, during that broadcast, they, they said that the new event was coming. And, uh, yeah, now Invicta have put out an official press release stating that the, the new event, which was going to consist of atom weights, right? And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if the winner will get to fight um, Alicia Zapatella, right? And um, yes, that's exactly what it is going to be. They have now confirmed it, that the winner of the tournament becomes the number one contender. Dum, dum, dum. So this all takes place on Friday the 11th of June And it's happening at the Fight Church Right, where all the Invicta fun has been going down Right, which is uh, always a good thing Um, And they've got a very good selection of fighters You know, so taking part in this tournament, right, you have got, now, let's uh, make sure we pronounce the names, well, you've got um, Gillian DeCozy, right, um, who is four and three, uh, we've got Linda um, Milhalek, who is two and one, Katie Shaw, who is three and four, uh, Lindsay Van Zant, who is seven and four, and you know what I mean, like had a very close fight, a split decision fight with the current champion. You know, also 
we are getting some newcomers to Invicta as Paulina Grandios, who um, you you might remember from the Combat Jiu-Jitsu event in December. She is in the tournament, so and she's four and four. We have Katie Perez, who's two and one, and Tabitha Watkins, who is three and three. So this is this is a lot of fun, man. This is a proving ground, and it you know it's all very interesting, right? Because it works on a a, a system, right? So it is kind of points, but the points kind of determine who you face next, right? So you might fight. The, uh, you know, because there's a ranking, right? Everyone gets a ranking position. And so, depending on your points, depends on who you fight next. So, you could fight a lower ranked opponent, or you might go in with the number one ranked, right? That's how it all works out. So, it is it's very fun, right? And, um, yeah, so... You know, it, you, you um, it, it works out from, uh, gosh, how best to describe this? Whew. <laughs> um, jeez, dear, oh dear, I'm very bad at this. Um, let's try and work this out, okay? Okay, so, right, this is how it works, right? So, everyone, you know, there's an incentive to win, right? And d- depending on your win, there's a there's a, a a bonus system, right? But the person with the fastest finish in the quarterfinals gets to pick their semi-final opponent, right? So that's that's how it works, you know, which makes it fun, you know. It definitely makes it interesting because everyone wants to be able to pick their more preferential way to the next round the potential route to the final because you don't want to get banged up the whole thing is having that quick fight so then you know what I mean you're kind of clean when it comes to yeah getting that final fight so hey I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this, man. Because, as I said, look, the previous tournaments have been fun as hell. Um, it's it's hard to know, right? Who could be the favourites here? I think um the Van Zant definitely is. You know, she, as I said, look, she had a very close fight with Zapatelli. So, I think, you know, it's probably fair to say that she's probably the favourite, right? But, you know, Dakozy, she, you know, she's had some great fights up in the cage. You know, but then you've got the, the, the younger dudes, the unknowns, you know, who haven't fought in Invicta yet. Right, that's when it gets all interesting because it's their opportunity, so they step up to that next level. So, hey, cannot wait. And it, as I said, look, it all goes down Friday, the eleventh of June, the new Phoenix Rising tournament. Oh, people, we have got the weighing results and. It's all a go. It is all a go. Everyone hit weight, which is, I mean, that's always a blessing, right? It's always a great thing to be able to say because sometimes it can get a little hairy. You know what I mean? Sometimes we lose fights. But, yeah, everything, everything was good. Whew. Everything now. That's not to say that you know. Come Saturday, someone uh, unfortunately drops out. But as of right now, as of right now, it is all gravy, right? So um, the only person 
Where it got a little bit hairy was Monta- Montana De La Rosa. But, you know what I mean? She, uh, she used the, you know, the screams. And once the fight kit was off, she hit 126. So, she was all good. Her opponent, Ariana Lipsky, she came in under slightly, 124.5. So, yeah, that's all to go. Now, it's always interesting with heavyweights, right? What are they going to weigh? Well, we've got, um, you know what I mean? We've got six to choose from, and all eh, kind of come in kind of light. So, Tanner Bowser. 242, Ilya Latifi, 240, right, so um, then it's the co-main event, Walt Harris, actually Walt Harris, he's still big, he's still a big motherfucker, he's 264, Marcin Tibora, 251, and the main event, right, so uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck is 254, you know, and um Augusto Saki is two fifty-five and a half. So um yeah, all the heavyweights were good. Now one thing that I had completely missed, Francisco Trinaldo is actually he's moved up to welterweight. Right? So for his fight against a Muslim Salakov. Uh, Trinaldo came in at 169.5 and Salakov 171. Right? We have newcomers. Right? We have newcomers to the ranks. So, uh, first up, Kamala Kirk is fighting Makwan Amerikani, and both fighters are 146 pounds. Um, so, also. We have got um, Dusko Todovic will be fighting Gregory Rodriguez. And, yep, yeah, this one, both £186. Which, hey, I mean, that's great, right? Both took those fights on short notice. Both made the weight, no problem. And one that, yo, came about real... Like, just put out Wednesday's episode, and then there was a change. There was a motherfucking change. <laughs> as, you know, as it happens, right? So, uh, Mariana Morez had to withdraw from her fight with Manion Firot. And in her place, we get the baby shark, Tabitha Ritchie. Which, you know what I mean? Like... Richie's been killing it in LFA, so, hey, it was only a matter of time, right, and I kind of thought that, yeah, what, if a situation like this happened, she'd get that call, and that's what happened, so, um, Ferro is 125 and a half, and Richie is 124 and a half, so, hey, all of these LFA fighters are very professional, very professional, all hit at the the right weight, which you got to give them props for, you know, so also on the card, right, starting off, Claudio Palis, 155, Jordan Levet, 156, Sean Woodson is 145 pounds, Yazif Zalau, 146, Alan Patrick, 154 and a half. Mason Jones is 156. Uh, so we then have um, Tom Breeze, 186, which is the same as Antonia Arroyo. Uh, so um, we've got Santiago Ponzanibio, it's 170 and a half. Miguel Bies. 171, Roman Dalaziz is 186, and Lorino Strapapoli is 185, so people, fingers crossed, nothing takes uh, place tonight or tomorrow morning, 
And it looks like we will be locked in for our 14 fights for UFC on ESPN Plus 47. Rosenstruck v. Saki. And I cannot wait. Okay, people. So we have reached that time as we do. And uh, let's take a look and see what fight might be on the bubble before we bounce. So um, next Friday is Bellator 260. And there's a couple of things with that. So unfortunately, the Taylor Johnson Lance Wright fight is no longer happening. That's a shame. But the card is headlined by Vanessa Porto against Ilara Jaran. So, um, a good fight, people. A good fight. So, um, over to UFC. On the 10th of July, UFC 264, we're getting another fire fight. I mean, this card was like 20 motherfucking fights so far. I don't know, man. But we're getting Max Griffin against Carlos Condon. I mean, that's a good fight, man. That's a good fight. Um, And also, right, let's end with this. So we were going to get Uriah Hall against Sean Strickland at UFC 265. On the 7th of August That no longer the case But Right But Hey even better Because that fight now moves A week forward To July 31st And will be the Headlining fight Of the card So they go from Three rounds to five And showcasing so, hey, not a bad situation, right? Not a bad situation. But, people, that is us. We are done. LFA tonight, people. So, we're looking forward to that. And then the rest of the action. So, people, we'll see you on Monday to break it all down. Have fun and enjoy that weekend. Peace.